Welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast. On today's show, composer and trumpeter Jamie Branch. You went to the uh, the, the conservatory, New England Conservatory. Sure, it's yeah. up in uh, Boston, one sure. of the major institutions. <laughs> uh, what, what were your classmates like there? What, what was they the... were really good musicians. <laughs> they were mostly way better than me, uh, which was hard at first. But then I just started practicing a lot, and then that was, I think, helpful ultimately. How is your discipline as a, as a, as a practice? My discipline? Yes. <laughs> my discipline in general is low, but my, um, my love for uh, experimenting and, you know, my love for excitement and stuff like that is high, so they balance out a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I practice so I, can, so I can get to the new stuff, you know. Greetings and welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast with Dan Buskirk. Here we have conversations with artists, writers, and musicians about their lives and work. We can be found along with past episodes at SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher under Fun to Know Podcast, always with the numeral two. You can find photos and more about our guests on the Fun to Know Podcast pages on Facebook and at Twitter, and we'll be delighted if you'd take a minute to leave a review of the show on iTunes or just send me a note with your thoughts through Facebook. Thanks again for listening. A quick announcement before today's show. Starting April 9th, I'll be the instructor of a new class at Fleischer Arts Memorial in Philadelphia titled Forgotten Innovators of 20th Century Animation. Over five Mondays, we'll be discussing the world of animation beyond Disney and see features including The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, directed by Lottie Renninger, Gulliver's Travels, directed by Dave Fleischer, The Belladonna of Sadness from Ichi Yamamoto, Fantastic Planet by Renee Leloux, and The Cosmic Eye, directed by John and Faith Hubley. You can find out more about this class at Fleischer.org. That's F-L-E-I-S-H-E-R.org. Now on to today's show with our guest, Jamie Branch. I'd seen Jamie's name on the credits of releases by bassist Jason Ajimian and the large band of Keith Jackson with cellist Fred Lomberg-Holm and saxophonist Jarrett Gilmore, but she didn't really capture my attention until her stunning debut with her band Fly or Die arrived in early 2017. This rock-solid quartet, featuring former Fun to Know guest Tamika Reed on cello, newly minted Philadelphian Chad Taylor on drums, and Jason Ajemian on bass, provide a spacious landscape for the propulsive trumpet and compositions of Ms. Branch, over a beautifully paced record that pulls you through like a great record should. Branch has collected plenty of accolades for the record, including winning the top debut in NPR's 2017 Jazz Poll. She topped my ballot as well. Jamie was listed in June 2017's Rolling Stone as one of 10 new artists you need to know, and The Village Voice called Branch fearless and described her album as eerily beautiful. Jamie and her band Fly or Die rolled into town in late January, sharing a bill at the Rotunda in Philly on the University of Pennsylvania campus with the improvisational group Sirius Juju. I'd hoped to get there early and interview Jamie backstage, but I've worked with enough bands to know that traveling from town to town with five or six people is an inexact science at best. So instead of having an hour to unwind with conversation, we had about 20 minutes before the band downstairs began to dominate the scene with a wonderful set of music. 
This makes for a nice, concise episode of Fun to Know, where we enjoy a few cuts from Jamie's Flyer Die debut. We hear a snippet of her recording with the trio Princess Princess, a previously undistributed date. She was selling at the show as vinyl in a plain paper sleeve. Plus, we'll hear Jamie talk about how 10 years of gigging have made her an overnight sensation. After the conversation, I got to hear an inspiring set by Flyer Die. With the bowed sounds of cellist Lester St. Louis and bassist Jason Ajimian and Chad Taylor's skittering drums and branches, breathy blast created an airy sonic web I'd never quite heard before. Meanwhile, Jamie's dog Patton was in tow, too. He was walking up and down the aisles and greeting each audience member like an elder statesman. It all made for a fascinating evening. Let's head over to that conversation after hearing Branch's Theme 001 from the Flyer Die release. Thank you. 
I'm here with Jamie Branch, the trumpeter who is, uh, I think, taking a, a victory lap around the country right now with all the success of her debut album, Fly or Die, out on the International Anthem label. Uh, she just recently won the uh, Best Debut Jazz Artist on the NPR Jazz Poll and uh, has uh, you know, moved to New York uh, from Chicago a few years back and... Uh, really has uh, made her mark on the uh, music scene, and I couldn't be more excited to talk to you here today, uh, just minutes before you're really going to hit the stage, too. Uh, uh, you're doing a, t- a tour right now, I guess. Where, where have you been uh, out on the store? It's a, it's a short tour, actually. We uh, did a Winter Jazz Fest hit, um, and then we played in my neighborhood, Red Hook, Brooklyn, went up to Western Mass. We were out in East Hampton last night, playing in Philly today. And then Jason's got to go back to Alaska to fly planes. Fly planes. Uh, Jason uh, Ajiminian, is that his uh, name? Jason Ajimian, yeah. Ajimian, He's a, yeah. Um, a bass player slash bush pilot these days. <laughs> That's my dog in the background. Oh, is that what's going on back there? Uh, what's your dog's name? Patton. Yeah, how long have you and the dog been together? We've been together 12 years, although he is 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, uh, you, did you grow up uh, in, in Chicago or outside of Chicago? Or? I was um, born in, uh, in New York on Long Island. Uh, my mom's from uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and my dad's from Yonkers. And uh, we moved to the suburbs of Chicago when I was about nine years old. And I grew up there and then... Left when I was 18. I was trying to get back to New York that whole time, and then <laughs> I realized what was happening in Chicago and went running back. <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you study music in school? or I did. I went to a New England Conservatory in Boston oh. and did a jazz performance degree. How about in your, in your Chicago days? Were you uh, playing in the high school bands or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, orchestra, wind ensemble, jazz band, all the, the full Monty. Um, Fred Anderson would let me into his club, uh, the Velvet Lounge, even though I wasn't 21. That was one of the only places <laughs> where I really got a, a proper, proper education. At, at what point did you find yourself curious on what, uh, what Fred was doing down at the Velvet Lounge? Oh, I had a friend in high school, Jacob Wick, who's also a free jazz or creative music trumpet player, improviser. And um, he kind of hit me to it, you know. Uh, we would read the reader every week, and I would see that there was a jazz jam on Sundays, and I went to it for a bit before I ever actually played. <laughs> how, how old were you? I was like 16, 17, 18. I think maybe maybe like 17, 18, yeah. You just went and didn't bring your trumpet for a while? Or? Uh, yeah, and then I think I was 18 or 19 when I finally had the courage to play and i played pocket trumpet the first time oh really yeah i've seen you mention uh in press your your appreciation for uh, one of my favorites don cherry also a a pocket trumpet player as well uh pocket cornet usually yeah that's right Uh, although he's oftentimes credited as pocket trumpet yeah yeah um when did you discover sort of jazz music yourself as a as as a, a young person well you know um uh, around the time jazz band came up <laughs> in in uh, elementary school, I guess. I think I transcribed my first solo when I was 11 or 12, around sixth grade, you know. That's when I started getting into it, and I had a a solo in front of the jazz band, and from that first uh, first time, I was I was hooked on the adrenaline, you know, yeah. the, the thrill of performance. There's something in particular... <laughs> It just in my own sort of, uh, you know, experience, there, there's something that seems particular about trumpet players. They do seem to be particularly, 
dare I say, brassy uh, individuals. Yeah, sure, there's yeah. there's something uh, extroverted about the the trumpet. <laughs> what first attracted you to the trumpet as an instrument? Oh, I was deciding between trumpet and saxophone. I actually really wanted to play the upright bass, but we moved, and they didn't have an orchestra at my school. So I was deciding between trumpet and saxophone, and I spilled my dad's red wine all over the saxophone sheet the <laughs> night we were deciding or whatever. And so I played the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Uh, it actually worked out, though. I have two older brothers that are kind of much older and, and half-brothers, so we didn't live together, but... Both of them played the trumpet, and I didn't realize that at the time. So, you know, a few years down the road when my brother switched from trumpet to euphonium, he gave me his horn, which had been my older brother's first, and then his, and then mine. Uh, and then I gave it to my sister, who played also. <laughs> yeah. And then I took it back because I liked it better than the one I was playing after that. Were your parents um, supportive of you as a musician? Or? I mean, I don't think they thought it was going to be what I did as a uh, my job <laughs> but uh yeah we came from a pretty musical family yeah. um both of them my father played guitar and my mom played uh, piano and sang she used to play violin but her it, her violin got ripped off i think her senior year of high school and that was it so <laughs> oh, uh, are there other trumpet players that, that at that time that, that sort of attracted you and were uh, you know role models or, or people you looked up to uh, like that I knew? Or uh, either that you knew or the ones that you heard on records. You know, I, I kind of sure. feel like I know all those people too in a way. Right. Uh, um, well, I mean, Miles was my first big influence. That was the first the first solo I transcribed was Green Dolphin Street off the 58 Sessions. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he was my first inroad. Um, Chet Baker also really early on uh, because it was something I could get my... I could get around, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, He's got a very direct, sort of straightforward sort of uh, style. Right, and also, like, just the ease of learning those solos, you know? Uh, It was hard at the time, but much easier (laughs) than, say, a Clifford Brown solo, you know? Yeah. Uh, Who I also, you know, I had his, had that four-CD box set, and I loved it. And I still do love Clifford Brown, but I kind of moved to to Booker Little as as my guy, my hard bop guy. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. He did those recordings with Eric Dolphy. It's, it's great to have Eric Dolphy to, to uh, push yeah. off of. The five-spot recordings are incredible. The stuff with Max Roach is also really great. You know, he doesn't have a bad record. He was an incredible innovator, and he died at 23 from yeah. uremia. Of all things. Of yeah. all things, yeah. Yeah. So. Went to the, uh, the the conservatory. Where was where did you go again? The it was called uh, it's called New England Conservatory. Sure, it's yeah. up in uh, Boston. A major major uh, school for uh, one for of the major institutions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is yeah. it the jazz department that you were sort of part of there, or was it? 
It was the jazz Sprawler. department. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was the jazz department like in the well, with your experience? Uh, the year I came in was the last year that Alan Chase ran the department. Um, Alan is an incredible saxophonist, um, Barry sax, alto sax, uh, and a really kind of open spirit. And I had met John McNeil the summer previous, and he was the trumpet teacher there, and, and he kind of helped get me into the school, I think, you know. Yeah. Uh, my tape, I know, wasn't very good uh, because I had put some sort of lip balm on my lips the night before, and they blew up like hamburgers or something. <laughs> so it sounded really bad. I put a harm mute to try to hide it, and I think John McNeil pulled some strings or something. I don't know. But I got a live audition, and so, yeah, I went off to NEC. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what, what were your classmates like there? What was they the... were um, really good musicians. <laughs> they were mostly way better than me, uh, which was hard at first but then i just started practicing a lot and then that was i think helpful ultimately that, that does seem to be the uh, the thread that goes through great players is practicing any any story you hear about you know coltrane or whatever they say that he couldn't oh, man, take the sax yeah. out of his mouth you know he was, he was always, always practicing yeah he was he was a practice monster how is your discipline as a as a, as a practice my discipline <laughs> yes <laughs> my discipline in general is low but my um my love for uh experimenting and uh you know my love for excitement and stuff like that is high so they bounce out a little bit you know yeah. I, I practice so i can so i can get to the new stuff you know yeah um yeah uh so so after you left the conservatory did you uh, make a beeline for, for brooklyn at that point or no 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 i ran back to chicago that's right chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you had I the had whole been... experience there with that incredible <laughs> array of players that come out of chicago these days yeah and i had um gotten sick in school i had my gallbladder taken out and i, I took a semester off and i was hanging a lot at the velvet lounge i got a job at the jazz record mart and uh i had seen i got to see like malachi favors play every wednesday i think for a month um, and I just didn't think I was going to go back to school, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I did. I went back and I finished, and then I, I came running back to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I interviewed, uh, I guess about a year ago or so, Tamika Reed. Yeah. And she talked about how welcoming the uh, the scene was for her in Chicago. I think Nicole Mitchell in, in particular sort of took her under the wing a, a lot. But uh, uh, it, it does, you know, there's still a lot of incredible talent coming out of Chicago these days. I, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, do you bring uh, sort of that spirit with you? Do you think back to to Brooklyn? Or I mean, you can't help but who you are, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it's a specific Chicago spirit, but yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> how long? How long were you there playing in that scene? Um, well, I, I think my first gigs were like oh four oh five. I started getting much busier in oh six after I graduated, and uh, I What's, left. What sort of bands were you were you from? I had a trio called Princess Princess. Um, it was improvised. It's a collective, but worked a lot. Um, yeah, Frank Rosalie on the drums. I Frank Rosalie on the drums. Toby Summerfield on the bass. We played every other week for years at the Skylark. And a-
I had a band called Black and Tackle with Jeb Bishop, Jason Stein, and Jason Rebke. Uh, and an early band I had with uh, Fred Lomberg home. Ooh, was it also Rebke? And then uh, I did a performance also with Axel Derner. Huh. Oh, maybe it was Toby, actually. I think it was Toby, Fred, and me had a band called Sherpa. And then we did a quartet version with Axel Derner, which was, like, really important to me because he's such a... He's also a hero of mine. He's some, I'm not familiar with the name, actually. Oh, man. Axel Derner is, like, the the crown prince of trumpet extended techniques, like multiphonics. And he's a Berliner, I believe. He's a German huh. trumpet player. Um he has a record called Trumpet. Uh, the label is called A Brute Secret. I think it's like A Brute Secret number three. It's out of print, but if you can find it, it's an incredible record. And it, yeah. yeah. There's another AACM trumpeter I, I think of thinking of you is uh, Wadada Leo Smith. Mm. Uh, is he somebody who, you know, uh, crossed your path at all? Or uh? I never met Wadada until recently, actually. Um, and I said hi to him the other night. I think maybe had met once before. I he was long gone from Chicago when I was there. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, his sound is really open, you know. He gets a really full range of dynamics. Um Yeah, I have heard him in so many different uh situations and stuff, you know, he always has something to bring to the table. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. played with Deerhoof the other night. Oh, at, really? Uh, LPR in New York, yeah. Uh, that's a you know a uh, enjoying your record and, and really uh, enjoying your trumpet playing, you sort of put it into the whole context of of jazz players and jazz history and everything. And yet, you know, we live in a modern world, and I know your your tastes go far beyond just uh, just jazz music. You've played quite a bit with some some pretty major you know rock bands as well. Yeah, I you know I was in a horn section that got picked up on a a couple of uh, different. Well, I think I don't know a couple of different Chicago stops for the bands you know so like tv on the radio spoon that sort of stuff i played uh when they were in in town basically oh, you know so like five or six times i think i played Lollapalooza with tv on the radio the same year i was selling t-shirts at Lollapalooza. <laughs> so <laughs> i went from like the servants quarters to the like main house and then you know back <laughs> So when when did when was the time for you to to, to come out to New York? I went to come Baltimore back to New first. York, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Come back to New- went to Baltimore first. I went to Baltimore first. Yeah, I went to go get a master's degree, which uh, is still pending. <laughs> uh, and when I had kind of you know they give you money for a certain amount of time, and I felt like my time in Baltimore was also probably pretty over at that point. Uh, I made the decision to go to New York instead of back to Chicago. You yeah. Know? What year was that? 2015. 2015. Oh, really? Wow, you really have taken the uh, the world a bit by storm since your arrival. In, <laughs> in, in, you know, I've been in, at it for a while. It's just, you know. <laughs> Ten years and then you're an overnight sensation or whatever. <laughs> um, so how, how did this record come together, Fly or Die, for International Anthem? Scotty McNeese, the founder, co-founder of International Anthem, had a band called uh, the Nick Mazzarella Trio, also with Frank Rosalie and bassist Anton Hatwich. Nick is the composer, band leader, saxophonist. They were coming out to uh, to New York, rather, uh, and they needed a show. 
I had a, recently started booking at a club called Manhattan Inn. Mm-hmm. And so I put together kind of the first night of a series uh, in honor of this band. And I wanted to put a band together that would pair well, you know. And also I can't help but wanting to have all my friends around. So I, I put together a band of some of my my favorite people from Chicago, you know. Jason yeah. and Jimian was in New York. Chad was still in New York. Uh, and Tamika was visiting, checking out New York. And so it just worked out. Um, a few months later, Scotty called me and was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's make a record. And I was like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> it, it's, it's an interesting record because it really does hold together like a, like a full musical suite. Uh, as somebody who's really digested a lot of records over the years, it, it's great that there's these beautiful uh, sort of segue sequences with guitar and other instruments and stuff. It's a, it's, it's a beautifully composed record. How did... How did it all how it come together as a, as a suite of your compositions? Um, I've been kind of writing in this style for a while, maybe like seven or eight years, uh, kind of a flowchart style, um, bringing small pieces of music to the band. Um, the record, I mean, we had, I think, one rehearsal, we played two gigs, and then we did one day of recording, and that was it, you know? So it was small ideas but played by like very big musicians right like chad taylor can, pl- can play every, you know he can just find that magic on the drums and yeah, i got a lot of Jimmy those uh, is, chicago uh, you know underground duo oh, records yeah. with chad yeah yeah those records are awesome axis and alignment and synesthesia especially yeah. um and so you know i knew i knew that we were going to be a little bit on the line as far as what we'd be able to digest in a short amount of time so I just tried to get right to the point as far as having these moments that would stand out as, you know, as actual musical moments. And then everything else uh, was either improvised or um, kind of post-composed in, in post. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the meat of it just it came together. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was like kind of easy. I don't know. It just felt right. It felt good. You know, it was it was happening, and it was. It, it shows in the final product. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you? Uh, uh, what do you? Do you have any other recording plans uh, coming up soon? Or, uh? Yeah, Flyer Die is recording again this year, um, so I'm psyched about that. And I'm finishing up a record right now with um, my duo Antiloper, which is an electric project, and that's slated for release soon. Who's the other part of the, the duo in it? Uh, it's with Jason Nazary. Um, he's an incredible drummer. We were both at NEC at the same time. He was in that band Little Women with Darius Jones. Um, and yeah, we both play uh, synths and electronics in addition to trumpet and for him drums. Really? What is, what is, what is your, what, what kind of music do you do with electronics and, and synths? I mean, it's improvised music that, it's, it's, it's similar in that there are some melodic scraps in there, uh, but Jason and I have a really good shorthand together and we just, you know, it, it goes between free jazz and, and whatever else, I guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a Juno 106 and like, uh, which is a, uh, 80s quasi-analog I think it was the first one that had a digital voice chip uh, digital voice chips and MIDI um, but has analog oscillators and and a couple other things you know so can manipulate the trumpet sound and also play these you know bass lines and stuff like that or synth lines or noise you know (laughs) 
Speaking of noise, it yeah, seems the band like is the happening band back is, there. Is, I know. is blowing up downstairs. Apologize, we didn't get here with more time. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I think uh, I think maybe I'll let you uh, put your uh, you put yourself together for your set. And, All right, uh, man. Uh, thanks so much for yeah. uh, coming out and having Thank a conversation. Thank you. We'll have to have us. a part two sometime. You bet. All right. Take care.
That's it for today's show. Thanks to Jamie for taking the time to talk. And check out her glorious debut with Fly or Die on the International Anthem label where better music is sold. Thanks to Gina and Turner over at the Rotunda. Check out my next class uh, film appreciation at uh, Fleischer Arts Memorial in Philly. It's Forgotten Innovators of 20th Century Animation at Fleischer.org. Hear me spinning jazz and beyond at WPRB Princeton, Mondays at 11 a.m. EST to 2 p.m., both over the air and at WPRB.com. And I hope you will return soon for more Fun to Know. We're free, I tell you. So wake up. It's time.